so much for joining us for the first of our 2020 wellbeing calendar. We're actually going to be kicking off the year with a different theme every single month. So we're gonna have 12 podcasts and these are going to be on all different topics related to wellbeing from alcohol, nutrition, sleep, inclusivity. So this month, I'm really excited to welcome Ian from Drink Aware. This was a really exciting opportunity when you said that you would join us for this particular podcast. Personally, I've got so much interest in alcohol. <laughs> I love drinking. Uh, also kind of family history with alcoholism in the family. And it's just been something that really interests me. And I think it's such a massive culture. Um, so ever since I've been talking with Ian about having him on this podcast, I've been challenging myself and my husband to drink less. And actually, we've been doing that. So I'm really pleased. But Ian, Talk, talk to me about yourself, introduce yourself and kind of drink aware, what they do. Thank you, Beth. Um, my name's Ian Blake. I'm the Partnership Development Manager for Drink Aware. And basically that entails building relationships with organisations such as Union yeah. and also directly with employees across the UK to help support their employee wellbeing programme. And Drink Aware, um, it's, we're an independent trust. In fact, actually we're the UK's largest alcohol education charity. And the whole aim of this really is to produce um, educational resources to help support people to reduce harmful drinking. Lovely. So the aim of this month is really to start thinking about our own personal alcohol intake. Obviously, we've just had New Year's, we've just had Christmas, everybody's been going all out with the festivities. Yeah. So this is the opportunity to start thinking about New Year, all that kind of stuff about New Year, New Me, and probably just trying to be fitter and healthier. And I've been really interested when I've been talking to Ian, and I really want to share it with you guys today, is thinking about alcohol and the kind of the impact on people's health and well-being, not just in the workplace, but also at home. And kind of alcohol just plays a massive part of people's lives. So kind of tell us a bit more about that. Certainly, and I think the thing with alcohol is ubiquitous, it's everywhere. So it's, it's understanding really the impacts of alcohol harm. Not, I wouldn't say use because we can all drink moderately and safely. It's about you know managing so that we can maintain that moderation. Uh, so understanding the harmful effects of misuse of alcohol is really important to help people make better choice about the drinking. Um, and again, I think the problem is, is because alcohol is everywhere in society. It's woven in our fabric of yeah. society. So, and people drink completely unaware of the health risks that they may be storing. Um, a good example, really, of one of the harms, really, that could, should be addressed and noted is the link between poor sleep quality and alcohol misuse. Yes, a lot of people drink to sleep better. But you've given me the insight yeah, that that's actually not the right thing. That's that's the case. I mean, it's a real big misconception about alcohol helping you. The old adage of having a nightcap before going, nightcap, you know, nodding yeah. off. Um, and in reality, what it actually does do, have a couple of drinks. It it really does affect the quality of sleep because you do actually go into a deep sleep far too quickly. Right. So you you think that it's going to help you. Um, but what actually happens is that you miss out on a really important part of your sleep, the restorative eye movement part of the sleep, which is the restful part. Yeah. Should be 60% of your sleep, really. Um, after drinking alcohol, depending on the level you drank, but you can often wake up missing out all of that and you feel still as exhausted as before you go to bed. Yeah. And so your situation, for example, if you had a, a drink just to do try and relax and forget something, that problem is still there, but the problem is now that you're exhausted and trying to deal with that in an exhausted state. So that exacerbates the problem. Yeah. Um, 
that that's you know a lot of people are aware of the you know the links between you know sleep quality and alcohol misuse but there's certain other things as well that people should really consider some really serious issues such as you know not many people are aware of the, the links between seven different types of cancer and alcohol misuse yeah. um and that they include you know cancer of the throat the bowel cancer most people have understand and appreciate that there's liver cancer but also increasingly uh, evidence is showing that there's um, an increase in breast cancer from alcohol misuse right um, I mean, in fact, actually, for breast cancer in women, one in 13 cases of breast cancer are attributed directly to alcohol. Um, that, it, that, that risk increases significantly the more you drink. Uh, and it's having this education and understanding what people, you know, the levels of drinking, the safe levels of drinking is really important. Um, so that's why this chief medical officer has defined a level which really we shouldn't regularly go above, which is 14 units. So this, so this was the bit that got me. So I've got this, like, nifty little circular calculator which i can put along to my uh <laughs> to my favorite alcohol so stand well i'm not i'm not gonna lie it's not gonna be a standard glass so i can move it around to a large glass and so i could have four if i had four large glasses of wine which is pretty much one night one evening that's already 12 units of alcohol and what's the recommended level 14 units 14. of alcohol in a week but of course the, the idea is not to store all those <laughs> up in one night and save them up because yeah. your liver's then got to work very hard to you know just distribute and disseminate that alcohol so you know what does 14 units look like i'd say six medium glasses of wine over the week it's about six pints of beer on an average sort of four percent beer or 14 shots of spirits and you should be pacing those out throughout the week if you are choosing to drink that level getting that balance it is and i think it's the skill as well is getting that message across that it's, it is possible to do that. Um, but the only way to actually get that balance is to be aware of your drinking habits. So mm. I think a lot of people drink habitually and they don't realise that it's creeping up. So they might have, you know, a glass of wine when they get in and the football's on, they might open a beer and, you know, the next night they might be having a takeaway and they think, oh, I'll have a beer in the fridge. And before they know it, they've actually snapped up quite a lot of drinks. So it's understanding, you know, this pattern. Yeah. Um, Drinkaware actually got some really good apps. We've got a Drinkaware app that you can keep tracking. It can track your calories, you can track your, your quantity that you're drinking, and also gives you a rough estimation of the price that you're spending so on you can the just alcohol. Put that on your phone and pop in the information exactly. at the time. Exactly. And there's a little element of gamification. You can set yourself challenges there. It'll even have an opportunity there to mark your weak spot so it could be a postcode near a pub for example that you're walking past on a thursday night and it might just give you a prompt reminder saying do you really need to just pop in wow so like there's elements there that just help people moderate it's not about taking the alcohol away completely but it's just it's little steps and tools that help people moderate. so we're not talking about abstaining that seems like an unreal i feel like that in our society the way it is that feels like a little bit of an unsustainable thing to do because you go out with friends, you go for a meal, you have some drinks. Everything pretty much is based around yeah. alcohol. I wouldn't know what to take to someone's house if it wasn't going to be a bottle of wine to say thank yeah. you for having me. So what so, you're you're not sitting there saying, don't ever drink booze. It's about knowing where your habits are, improving that and having these no alcohol Certainly. Days. So no alcohol days, drink three days is one really good way uh, of addressing that. Because How many should you try and have? Um, I mean, ideally, because you've got to look at the amount of units that you're drinking, yeah. and then you're, if your target is to slowly get work your way down to get into 14 units or less, then then you take into account the amount of days that you need to do that. Um, it, it's good to have you know a minimum of a couple of 
two to three days, three, three days a two week. Um, and But then it's important when you're doing that, having a drink three days, is to, it's all well and good. If you've been used to watching the TV, having a drink, and you're sitting there in front of the TV, not having a drink, it's very unlikely that will be sustainable. So you've got to find substitutes and ways to replace it. Replace a habit with a habit. I heard this yes. before recently. Well, that's that's one really good way, substituting the low and low. And I think it's having that, if you're, you're choosing to have the substitute, so if you're in a social setting or even with client meetings or mm. you know, in, even a work setting with your informal team get-togethers, there's no reason why you can't either intermittently substitute your your alcoholic drinks with a no and low. Yeah. So you're cutting your drinks by half or taking a whole night if you're doing a drink three days with, mm. with no alcohol drinks. Um, but then also there's the other side of it as well. There's nothing wrong with taking up a hobby or something like that. My wife and I, for example, we've taken up very badly, but we're uh, trying to learn Spanish. And of course that <laughs> night then is... Uh, it doesn't involve any wine at all, you know. Until you go to Spain to practice. Exactly, exactly. Well, there is that. There is that. Oh, it really, really fascinates me. And then I find the the thought about kind of thinking about your well-being um, and thinking about things that you can do at home. But I think also alcohol and work is still quite a big thing. You get a lot, like you said, you go on client meetings, people go on, on work-related events, often focus around alcohol. Um, but surely that can actually impact on work and how people can be as productive in work and, and things like that. Certainly. And that, and that that's, that's something that employers need to take some responsibility for, really, mm. by creating an environment that's more conducive to, you know, encouraging, you know, moderate behaviour. Yeah. Um, it, and our evidence suggests that 53% of um, people who drink in work settings would like less pressure to do so. And two in five agree that there's, you know, far too much pressure in the workplace environment to drink. So yeah. that is what the, the employees are saying. So employers then should take steps. And that, that could be having a very strong alcohol policy and guide, mm-hmm. uh, you know, managing client meetings, you know, what's the expectation there? It helps protect the corporate, you know, reputation as well. Yeah. Um, and also, as you mentioned there, the productivity. I mean, there's there's a couple of factors really. There's for employers really needing to step up there's one is the safety aspect yeah health and safety if you got if somebody drinks um one unit of alcohol say one single whiskey that would take on average an average person an hour to get through the body right. through the system it does actually compound so it goes increase a little bit when you have two shots of two two units of alcohol two whiskeys for example it would take just over two hours um, so you can imagine that's quite a long period of time really for one unit to be dissipated. And so if they if you've got staff who are starting early or sales staff are out mm. on the road early and they've got a client meeting mm. the night before, then it's the employer's responsibility to educate um, their, their staff so that they're aware of this, this dissipation, so that they're not putting themselves in risk. Yeah. And that's obviously that's the same as operating heavy machinery or even if you've got a client presentation next morning or internal presentation. You can see the effects of that alcohol, how long it's taken to get through the body. So, so that's that's one aspect. Um, and then presenteeism, you know, we're always it's a buzzword in everyone's yeah. HR is presenteeism. And you know, alcohol does take quite a long time to dissipate. So it's you know, there's a lot of money that's lost uh, to the to individual businesses and organisations as a whole through people's you know, to increase presenteeism, being present and not really being there. And that's the that's the key. I've known some people to go home sick because they were hungover. I mean, that's yeah. such a lack of, you know, 
ownership of their doing their job and the business is missing out on that but they've gone out and worked drinks the night before and then couldn't function the next day this is, and i think this is this is partly the employer it's not not really helping educate i mean obviously everybody knows that if you drink a lot there's going to be an, an effect but i think educating with some of the facts the short and long-term health risks really help to resonate with people um then having an environment that doesn't encourage that behavior really helps um, because, you know, it is a really big cost on, on businesses. I mean, 17 million sick days are lost in the UK per year, which is, you know, quite phenomenal. It's like their mental health, isn't it? Well, <laughs> and, and there's a very strong link between the two. Yeah. You know, there's a, you know, is it a cause or an effect or is it both? Unbelievable. So people aren't as productive. They're taking a lot of time off sick and risks to themselves and their safety. There's a bit of both in terms of the employer educating their employees, but also employees need to, you know, we're not born yesterday. If we're going to go out and drink, we need to be thinking, you've got to be able to get up and get to work and deliver exactly. what you're contracted to do. I'm just going to bring up the Wheel of Doom, which is not really, it's a brilliant thing. So if you're going out for dinner and you might have what, two or three glasses of wine, along with your dinner and probably with your pudding that you're having <laughs> because you're out for a meal. If I was going to have... Two, three large glasses of wine. That's already nine of my units of the week. I've only got five left. And that's 500 odd calories just in, in that going along with my meal. It's, it's kind of depressing. And that's probably why I never lose weight because <laughs> I substitute every meal with, or accompany every meal with wine. I, th I think the, the issue really with sort of alcohol misuse when people are drinking excessively and they're struggling the other side to maintain weight, for example, mm. is that they just don't always associate, because it's liquid, they don't always associate alcohol with being calorific. Yeah. Um, and so you see many people who are having a really healthy salad, for example, that are accompanied by a large glass of wine. Yes. And then as we've just seen from our, we got that's got a, an alcohol calorie wheel from Drinkware, which is basically you spin the wheel around and, it'll, and it will give you the, choose, choose your favourite drink on there and it'll tell you your calories and also the amount of units. And they're very useful to stick on the fridge door and things like that. And we... We actually use these in our drinkware at work workshops and mm. we explain exactly how to use them. And they're, they're a very useful tool to have at home so people are mindful. The whole idea really is to try not to get to a stage where it's excessive use of alcohol in one sitting. Yeah. And and that really helps manage the, the long and short term health risks. You know, we talk about weight, that's one aspect, but of course, you know, there's a natural link there with weight and type 2 diabetes and obviously alcohol misuse and high blood pressure, mm -hmm. which is, you know, affects a lot of people in the UK. And they're yeah. just, and it's a silent thing. People want, don't feel high blood pressure, but, you yeah. know, unless they get tested. So managing the amount of alcohol you, you intake is going to help alleviate some of these risks to long-term health. What are the other health risks that are associated with? Um, well, we mentioned... Um, Obviously, the seven different types of cancer, yeah. which is, you know, not everybody associates that, that risk. Um, obviously, poor sleep, um, which is a natural, very close link with poor mental health. There's, yeah. you know, been evidence that there's a natural link there between alcohol misuse and poor mental health, mainly because people use alcohol as a, as a cure for the situation they're in. And, of course, that just exacerbates it. Mm -hmm. It's actually a depressant, not stimulant. Um, high blood pressure, we mentioned, and type 2 diabetes are common factors for alcohol misuse yeah. as well as you know the, the very the very more the more obvious ones such as liver disease you know right. liver cancer from there and what about kind of fertility and things like that um it's good that you mentioned fertility because that's actually uh 
one of our most visited website pages. Really? Uh, doctors have suggested people to have a look and get some tips and advice and then understand there's a very high link there between alcohol misuse and obviously uh, fertility issues. So right. it's, it's really important for those who are looking to start a family then or to continue growing a family to, then to take um, alcohol use into yeah. account. And it's, it's much better to manage your consumption to a very, very low level to the or, or very most, you know, 14 units in a week. Is that on both sides, male and female? That is. It right. is for both sides. And think, talking about males and females, is there a difference? I know that I've um, when I look at gender and kind of mental health and coping mechanisms, men do tend to have a more of a likelihood to have an alcohol dependency. Is that what you see as well? Um. They, yes, the, the, in terms of our harmful drinkers, males are more susceptible. Right. There's a few reasons, and it may be the type of work they do. And often it's more males who work away from home, which right. obviously leads to more poor mental health issues, being away from the family. So there's certain as, other lifestyle aspects that lead to it. But I think the problem is that a lot of people then would use alcohol as a replacement, mm-hmm. and so it generally would be seen to affect more males. But in terms of the, you know, the recommended safe levels of drinking, then... Um, or, or ones that'll give you the lowest level of risk, then males and females, it's, it's the same for both. It's 14 units or less is the Chief Medical Officer's recommended guideline. Right. So have you got any other areas that you think would be useful for us to, to kind of share today? Um, yes, I think um, I think companies embracing the Drink Three Days campaign is really useful. Right. Uh, and, and doing that as an organisation, so you can start to create a culture. Yeah. So... You, an organisation may, for example, like to decide to do a book club. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be always running on fireside football. It can alienate some people. Mm-hmm. So um, it could be starting off activities in clubs that, that don't necessarily need alcohol in it, yeah. but then actually get teams together and have the informal team building. Nice. Um, I think companies as well as a tip should really think about inclusivity is, is a key word in organisations. And... Our evidence suggests that 16 to 24-year-olds are the lowest drinking cohorts mm-hmm. in terms of uh, purchasing of alcohol. And so if you if you have a graduate starting, they're more likely now to be a no or low drinker. And so it's embracing that as well. You don't, it doesn't have to be no, but definitely those mm-hmm. who drink at lower levels, that should be embraced. And it should be considered for organisations when they start to think about team building events, even client meetings, and have this in your guide and policy. Yeah. Um, religious reasons, of course, as well. Culturally, there's people that don't drink. So this becomes more and more prevalent in an organisation. So that's when companies should start to really adhere to some, some new ideas and to incorporate this in their well-being, their social calendar. So businesses, employers, like line managers should be thinking, how can I make my events not around alcohol? And employees should be thinking... What can I be doing? So, you know, we've talked about the, the, the calculators that I've got in terms of the wheel, but you can actually go on to the Drinkware website and make look at your average ad intake, is that right? You can. You can. There's a couple of useful tools on the website. There's yeah. a uh, comparison. Right. Uh, uh, app which is really useful. So using the comparison calculator, people can see where they are on the, on the scale, as it were, right. across the, you're looking at the UK. And that, that's a really good starting point, that sort of, points of realisation and then to help 
continue to track and moderate, then obviously the having some tools such as the home drinking cup so you can measure if you are drinking at home. So we have got, I have got a home drinking cup here and I was shocked to find out that one large glass of wine is basically half a pint, which would yeah. sound ridiculous if I went up to a bar and went, can I have half a pint of wine? But that's essentially what I'm asking for if I'm going up for a large glass of wine and it's just shocking, unbelievable. So that's a really good tool Certainly. to, have to make you realise what you're doing. Exactly, especially for those who decide to drink at home. I mean, it, that, that is a, the home pouring side is, is moderating that. Free is key. pouring, let's call yeah. it. <laughs> well, free pouring, definitely. <laughs> and and, and the, the measuring cup really helps because then you can actually measure to pop measure. So if you are deciding to have a spirit at home, for mm. example, then you're not you're not pouring a double when you're really looking for a single you are you know you're moderating and yeah. you've been able to measure and that's where you can control units in one way having a calorie wheel on the fridge door yeah incorporating your drink for your days yeah um and then there's lots of other things as well you know being aware of the where your peer pressure points are mm. and, and telling your friends i mean like i said there's a lot of people that like our evidence suggests there's a lot of people you know two and five adults in the workplace think there's too much pressure to drink so if everyone spoke openly about this, mm. then that would share a culture of reducing that peer pressure. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be like, why aren't you drinking? If two and five people believe that there is so much pressure, then having this open conversation in groups is a much better way. And then it becomes more accepted then to have no alcohol drinks, substituting it, having different ideas, all going for a meal and bowling, for example, and yeah. you don't necessarily need alcohol in that space. So yeah. I think I think having an open conversation is going to be a really helpful thing for organisations and colleagues to do. It's got to be on the radar. I think the big thing is it is cultural. I know that my husband, for example, big culture of drinking within their business. And when I sort of challenged him to see if he could go, I actually said, wonder if you could go the rest of the week, just a few days without drinking. He went, yeah, no, I'll definitely be able to do it. Really struggled, but managed to do it, but didn't go to the pub. Like just didn't didn't yes, do any yeah, of those things. Because yeah. it was like, if I go, I might weaken. And then he got a whole week and he went, actually, I'm going to go and have lunch in the pub with my mates. And he said to them all, let's just not drink. Let's all yeah. of us not drink. Kind of <laughs> bringing people on board and just getting you to think, like making sure that you're, like you say, your friends and people that you're with, even when I went out this weekend with my with my sister's birthday, we had a couple of different events. And the first thing, even my mum and my brother-in-law said was, you're not drinking. Like it was a surprise, yeah. a big shock. And yeah. you kind of think a bit of FOMO. Am I going to, what am I missing out on if I'm not drinking? Is everyone else having a better time? And, and now I've broken down a few, you know, been to a few events, done a few things. It's not as it bad, is. but you've got to get through it, haven't you? I think so. I think it's also, it is a mindset as well, you know, and I think it's, Maybe positively thinking about the, the, the positive outcomes, mm, mm. you know, that you can get your weekend back, for example, yeah. where you might normally have like, habitually gone to the pub and drank. You can still go to the pub and have no alcohol drinks, yeah. you know, like I say, they're being, yeah. getting better and better. Still socialising. Still socialising, still in the same same Substituting alternate drinks even, that's one way of easily cutting down. Yeah. So you're still having maybe a shandy, for example, and you're still feeling that you're, you're in that same social yeah. network. Um and then obviously finding good substitutes for your drink-free days is the key. And then rewarding yourself with the times that you got. You got your whole weekend back, for example. And then get up and do with something. a beer. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> get up and do something active or something positive with that extra time that you would normally have lost. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a positive mindset you've got to have. Yeah. But then there's, um, there's so many good things you can enjoy through moderating your drinking. 100%. 
I've, I, I've, this has just been such a massive revelation for me. And I think there's so, there's so much research out there. There's so many tools out there and things that you can use in order to um, work out where, you know, where you're at at the moment. It might be that you don't actually need to worry about your alcohol intake because actually you're below the, you know, that recommended amount and there's well, nothing else to do. Well, this is it. And like I say, the 16 to 24 year old age, not everybody, but a, that, that large part of the cohorts are in the, you know, the moderate to low drinkers. So it is achievable. Yeah. Um, and most of the people actually drink below, uh, below the risk levels. So, right. so it is achievable for most. It's just where, where it becomes habitual and there's a percentage that's high risk. I mean, they say that 10 million people are at risk of drinking at, you know, high risk levels. So uh, there's a large percentage out there that still do, or large number. So it's just being mindful of where you are on the, on the scale. So then you can make your own choices. But then it's a case of educating yourself. And it could be done with the help of the employer, I would suggest. Yeah. And, and then also with the employer's help to change the culture and yeah. to change that side. Um Drinkware's website has a lot of information about, you know, how to moderate, tips to cut down, how to use your drink-free days. Absolutely brilliant. So I think the key takeaways for me today are being aware of what your actual alcohol intake is, what a unit really looks like, what a unit really feels like. If you're going to go and order a large glass of wine, imagine how that's going to feel yeah. if you ask for half, half a pint of wine. Um, and really then just thinking, you know, it's not about, trying to fit all those 14 units in, in a week, <laughs> trying to not binge drink, having those two to three alcohol whole free days and just being mindful of social events and taking your, your, your friends and, and colleagues along with you. Would you have any more things that you would share? No, I think that you, you've covered all of the key salient points there. I, ju I just think it's, um, it's time for people to, if they need to, to, be bold enough now to readdress. So, you know, like I say, peer pressure is a, ba is a great thing and I think that's the thing that's held mm. a lot of people back. But if we can get to an environment where it's acceptable, where yeah. it's very perfectly acceptable to be out and not drinking without people questioning you yeah. as to why not drinking, I think that's a really big starting point. And then people can then take decide when they will have a drink-free day, having soft drinks or no alcohol yeah. drinks or low alcohol drinks. And then if they're in a working, even in client setting, that could be done. And then to, I think the next stage would be to take some really positive steps that if they are habitually drinking to make sure that they can find space in their life with their partners or with friends to do things that do not necessarily involve alcohol. And there's a lot out there that you mm. can do and enjoy. So the main message is it's not about abstaining, it's about getting that right balance. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. And I've, thank you. I've absolutely been really looking forward to recording this and I've got so much out of it. And then... Um, Good luck with everybody for your for your dry Januaries if you're getting involved in that and, and good luck with your balancing your 14 units a week. If you've enjoyed this, please share it, please like it and we'll join you for February's one on inclusivity. Thank you very much.